0: Hey, you awesome folks. Thanks for taking this journey of discovery with your guide, Keith Haney. You're listening to the Becoming Bridge Builders podcast, your favorite podcast for everything from racial reconciliation to education innovation, justice reform, and leading change in the 21st century. This podcast is for people who love to be challenged with difficult topics, but want practical solutions to solve these challenging issues. Becoming Bridge Builders makes change possible. Each week on the podcast, Keith invites innovative thought leaders to share how they are building bridges in their area of expertise. You will hear breakthrough ideas and concepts that are changing the world. He's featuring guests who are best-selling authors, leaders at Microsoft, entrepreneurs, leading educators, professors, lawyers, and so many more. Listen in to learn how you can be the bridge to the change you are seeking.
1: My guest today is Adrian Knight. Adrian is an accomplished acquisition entrepreneur, adventurer, and endurance athlete. Adrian buys and sells businesses for a living and has used his acquisition skills to build a multi million dollar children's education group from the ground up in less than three years. He spent almost a decade traveling the world to run away from his addictions and inner demons. It was only when he started to be true to his authentic self and prioritizing his personal development and well-being that his life started to turn around in 2022 adrian ran cycled kayaked across scotland and then in march 2023 he participated in a multi-day endurance event in the arctic circle in june 2023 he ran across northern england and in november 2023, he is competing in the spartan world championships in sparta greece in March 2024, Adrian is on a 14-day jungle expedition across Panama. Today he leads, he leaves running to his children's education group and others, while he spends his time working on his own personal development and mindset, which he undoubtedly recognizes as the secret sauce to his business and endurance success to date. We welcome Adrian to the podcast. Well, it's so good to have Adrian i show do today Adrian.
2: I'm very well, thank you, Keith. Very well. Thank you for having me here.
1: It's good to have you on. Good to start the new year off with a good conversation. So I'm looking forward to talking to you.
2: Likewise. Yes, likewise.
1: Hopefully the rust has rubbed off. Both of us are ready to get get it.
2: (laughs) Well, we're just saying it's the first, yeah, the the first conversation uh, back since New Year's. So I've literally been at work uh, following the Christmas and New Year period about Thirty minutes, so um, I apologize in advance if there's any uh, <laughs> lagging from my side. So <laughs> there
1: you go. Well, too much, too much New Year's celebration, but that's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll make that work. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> so I would like to ask my guest this question: What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Um,
2: best piece of, of advice has been to invest in yourself. Um, and if something like that, really, when I first heard that and was given that, I took it to heart quite, quite literally. And it's never failed, like never failed. And I'm sure to you know the listeners, they would resonate with this. But, you know, I've, personally, I've I've taken that really to heart to the point where, you know, I get up at 4 a.m. and spend the first three hours of my day, seven days a week. You know, I don't have day off from this but just investing in myself and it has made all of the difference um so uh yeah it it really does come back to we are the greatest assets we'll ever own
1: i love that because i i do the same thing i get up probably about five um and just spend some time connecting, first of all, with God, then connecting with, you know, what am I going to do today? Uh, Trying to figure out my schedule. Because if I do that, if I start the day out that way, it makes the day go better. If I don't do that and I just kind of get up and go off to work, it just seems like everything's off. And I I, I spend the first hour just trying to figure out the stuff on my desk and I'm trying to go through (laughs) where I want to go next. So. (laughs)
2: it's it's so true and i was a sucker for this for years and it took some very hard lessons to for this to really hit home for me um i mean it wasn't really that long ago it was probably two maybe just over 2 years ago when i was waking up at uh sort of 2 2:30 in the morning having extreme panic and anxiety attacks like extreme to the point where i'd be lying in bed for the next hour and a half 2 hours in a state of complete and utter Dread, convinced, utterly convinced that, you know, my world was like everything was caving in, like everything was, um, uh, terrible was going to happen. And it was going to happen that, you know, that day when getting up and it would take me that long, sort of an hour and a half, two hours to sort of talk myself around to realize that. You know, everything's okay. And I what I sort of can see now in hindsight, it was because I was waking up early and going straight into work mode and then dad mode and partner mode. And it was just relentless. Um, And since making that switch and putting myself first, it has uh, truly made all the difference.
1: That's amazing. I'm always curious. We're going to get into your story, but I'm always curious when I talk to my guests about people in your life who have served to either inspire you or maybe come alongside and mentor you along different stages of your life?
2: It's interesting. I think about this a lot and, um, you know, I'm one of those people who like, but there's a big sort of craze at the moment about like coaching, for example, and you tend to see a lot of it on social media, but I've always had uh, not just one coach, but like multiple coaches in different areas of my life, like throughout my life. So, uh, for example, I've got a, right now I've got a, um, a award winning bodybuilder who I work with on the fitness side of things. And even though I'm not a bodybuilder, I'm, I'm, I couldn't be further from a bodybuilder. Um, uh, you know, he has a great deal of knowledge that is helping me with some of my athletic, Uh, endeavors and the same with uh, business coaches and uh, life coaches and I think one of the most significant uh, sort of people like mentors that I've had has actually been uh, a therapist who um, funnily enough like when I was going through those those sort of anxiety and and panic attacks that I just mentioned um, I've I've sort of recognized that something like something needed to change here and I went to see uh, this therapist that Came highly recommended, and he was transformational in uh, helping me to make some very small but fundamental shifts in my life. And he made me realise that when we're looking to change our lives, we quite often think it's about big monumental changes and these sweeping ideas and sweeping changes. But that wasn't so much the case. He had this analogy where he said, "You've got to imagine that you are." an oil tanker and you're moving along and if you make a one degree uh sort of change in your direction over a period of sort of thousands and tens of thousands of miles that oil tanker is going to be in two very different places probably different you know sort of other sides of the world from each other and he just made me realize that you know change is a fascinating thing um you know we as humans we tend to uh despise it we're scared of it but um it's not nearly as scary as it as it can be and i think he made me realize that it's it's in our nature to change and it's okay to change
1: i love that there's a i always try to work with work with organizations and i said if you really want to make a monumental shift just do a one degree change in your in your true north and you, yeah. you'll see amazing results if you just make that small. degree. we always, you say, we always think about you say, you just said change in a monumental way. Of I got to change ninety percent of my life. Well, that's not going to happen. But you might be able to change one degree of your life, and it may have a huge impact on direction of your life.
2: Absolutely, and because we tend to think in, uh, you know, when making these changes that they are monumental changes. They are like we blow them up so much in our mind that all we do is paralyze ourselves and so no change happens and the only change that does happen is the the changes that are forced upon us from uh you know external circumstances whether that be all of a sudden you have a health condition um cancer scare you know a variety of different things you're made uh, you're made redundant you're out of a job now like it's those external changes but i think having you know having control of that Internally, and recognizing that it's not about big sweeping changes; it's about those smaller ones that can make uh, that can make all the difference.
1: Love it. So, I read your bio, and your story was fascinating to me. So, I like if you want to share your story with the audience. Kind of tell us about your journey.
2: Absolutely. So, I um, will try to be as sort of concise as I can, Keith, um, <laughs> because it's, it's multifaceted. But uh, a long story short um uh i've always been an entrepreneur uh professionally i uh, now i buy and sell businesses i typically buy um add value to them and then sell them uh however i've used that that sort of skill set to build a uh a small group of companies in the children's education space um so we've we've gone from a standing start to uh sort of like a, a multi-million Revenue group. Uh, It literally took 24 months to get up to that scale. And we currently educate uh, uh, 10,000 under five year olds every academic term here in the UK. Um, It took me a long time to get there. Um, Like the precursor to that was that I had 12 failed startups. Um, I've also battled a lot with uh, like personal demons, so addictions. I had a nervous breakdown at 19 years old that um, I don't think I've ever fully moved past but i've used it as a catalyst to grow and to become um yeah like more of uh i kind of want to say like more of a man if that makes sense um let know where that word come from um uh, alongside that, I have uh, traveled quite extensively, so uh I've, I've been to uh, nearly fifty countries now across the world um I'm in a place where I participate in fairly extreme endurance events. so last year, I was in the Arctic Circle um I was uh, also in the uh, the Spartan Race World Championships in Sparta Greece in eleven weeks' time, I'm heading to Panama uh to for a two-week jungle trek going from the west coast to the east coast and uh, a variety of other trips so there's yeah lots of different angles but it it fundamentally boils down to um just this insatiable desire to live life to the full like uh, my my aspirations has never been to be the richest person on uh, my deathbed or uh, anything like that, my aspirations has always been to minimize the amount of regrets I have when you know that day comes, which we all have when we're on our we're on our deathbeds and for me personally, that is living a full and interesting life to um to every possible extent
1: I love that I want to learn more about your education group because i you know education has become and especially in the last year here in America it has become a hot button issue of how do we educate our kids? Who really has the power to educate the kids? Whose responsibility is it? So tell us a little bit about your group and what your goals are in educating children.
2: Yeah, we have a central mission that guides everything, a central purpose that truly guides every single decision, big or small within uh, within the group, which is uh, fundamentally it's about it is about the children and it's about building a complete and integrated learning experience for children and it's It's sort of funny how the whole thing came about because I had no aspirations whatsoever to get into the children's sector. I knew nothing. About kids, and it was only when I became a dad for the first time, uh, in, in full ignorance, I put my hands up like complete ignorance. I knew nothing about the sector. I didn't really have any interest in it. Um, I had all of these assumptions about the the, the sector that were completely wrong. Um, but it was only when I became a dad, and uh, as we were talking prior to uh, prior to recording, Keith, you know it 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 really is you know, for me, it was, as for a lot of parents, just completely life-changing and uh, reset my priorities in a whole different way. And it was when I was going to these children's activities group with uh, my wife, Vicky, and our daughter, Evie, who's now four years old. And I was going there purely because, I you know, I, I've always seen myself as a hands-on dad and I want to be that hands-on dad. But as I was going to these groups, I was looking around thinking there's something really not right here. It, it felt as though the groups that were being run for the children, it was primarily about getting bums on seats. like And and in so many ways, and so many of the groups and the events that I've been to, it was more about uh, pleasing the parents because they were the one who were paying. Uh, and it almost felt like the children's education was coming last. On the flip side of that, I was also learning that certainly the early years so from uh from birth up to five years old they are the most formative years of a person's life like they will significantly impact the trajectory of that person's life and it just felt that at a time that was so critical in our lives it it was it was yeah it was just completely underserved and and it also felt very disjointed. So we went to classes over here for, um, you know, like art and, you know, fun, messy stuff that, that sort of under five-year-olds do. And then classes over there for ones that were building, like, spatial awareness and, like, a, a deeper understanding of the world. And it, it just – after sort of probably about three or four months of soul-searching and and various serendipitous events that happened to me – it just brought me to a place where I realized that I wanted to play a part in this sector, however small Um, I had no aspirations of building a group. I had no aspirations of having like a real commercial entity here other than I just wanted to uh, touch these children's lives. Uh, And if I'd done just one children's lives in a positive way, metaphorically speaking, uh, then it would have all been worth it. And, and uh, yeah, you know, fast forward um it's now just over three years and no one's more surprised than me that we are where we we are and we're educating children at the scale that we are and the most um exciting thing about the whole the whole sort of uh place is that we've barely got started like we've barely scratched the surface here and um it just so happened to uh, happens to have come at a time when there is a lot more spotlight on children's education and certainly seeing the, the effects of covid and how that's impacted our our kids in the lockdowns it's uh yeah it's a pretty scary
1: scary time i think so oh for i know your system's probably a little different than ours so explain to us like explain to me uh, when you have this education group, how does that work? As a we have public school, private school, kind of can, can tell me how that fits into that sector of private versus public school. Absolutely. So we also have private and public
2: school, and uh, our uh, some children uh, in, in in England they go to uh, they go to uh, like it's called primary education, so uh, essentially like sort of kindergarten, I believe. Um, normally, when they're four or five years old, so there's this gap from uh, newborn up until five year olds, uh, five years old, where they are uh, children are fundamentally with the parents, and you have a lot of parents that work, so they go into like nurseries or uh, preschool settings. Now, the government here uh, publishes an academic framework. At all levels of education, so from uh, sort of early years all the way up to like higher like higher levels of education, degrees, PhDs, etc. And in the UK, our framework for under five year olds is called EYFS. So it's the early years foundational uh, uh, like system like framework, and that framework has seven objectives, so seven key areas where uh, our educational institutions need to be uh, developing our children. So you have, for example, uh, mathematics, you have uh, speech and language communication, you have uh, sort of spatial awareness and understanding the world. And these are uh, like the core areas where all academic and non-academic institutions that serve children, they're measured against. And so with uh, Spectacular Group, which is the name of my children's education group, the, the original idea, and it hasn't changed at all, was to have a essentially like a suite of children's brands that cover each one of those seven key areas. So we currently have our two main sort of flagship brands. Um, one, which is focused on speech and language communication. For under under five year olds. So we're squarely on like hitting one of the uh, educational objectives and the other one, which is music and movement. So again, it's like understanding the world, it's uh, developing like social skills and um, like children together. And so the idea was to have five more brands that sit alongside each other. But then what we can do with a bit more of a commercial hat on is start to centralize operations it's to is to bring the whole learning experience together rather than being this just this disjointed sort of experience and business we could bring the whole thing together and in fact you know begin to do things such as you know, we can offer like a, a single ticket where a parent can take their children to all of the classes so covering the whole framework. We can interlink classes rather than compete against them. We can bring the the, the whole thing um, in, into one place, which I believe will have a, a sort of a synergistic impact on our kids and their education and how they develop as people
1: entrepreneur always is trying to solve a problem so what what gap were your does your children's education group solve in your community i think it's in terms of the gap it's
2: fundamentally the children's education like there are gaps between our children's education and the institutions that are delivering that education, and I hate to say it, and I don't believe it's exclusive to the to the UK. I think this is a, a worldwide thing. It's a very hard gap to fill, but there is a gap, and particularly in the UK, there's very um, very strong uh, bureaucratic ways in which these organisations have to be run, and I think a lot of these institutions, the people who run them, like like our schools, are um, you know sort of early year settings. The people running them have their best interests at heart, the children, but they are restricted. And so coming at it from an entrepreneurial angle, we don't have those same restrictions.
1: I love that. As you think about what's the next step, because you've you've kind of found yourself in that early under five or five and under space. Are you looking down the road to expand to other levels of education? you know, the, we would call elementary, you probably call secondary education. Are you, are you looking to take what you're doing and run that through the entire education system?
2: Absolutely. So there's two, there's two angles with this. The first one is that the businesses that we own are franchisors. So we own the franchise network and I come from a franchising background, but what I've come to realize is that that franchising network is key really because it gives us a distribution system that can uh, essentially go outside of the UK so we've got uh, franchisees who deliver our classes in Australia um, in the Middle East for example and uh, we know how to take that further so geographically the you know expanding uh, sort of wide is the first thing but also um I don't I, I, I don't want to lose sight on my daughter because she was the reason that this this whole thing got moving. Essentially, it was because of Evie. And what I'm finding fascinating is that Evie's now started uh, elementary school. It's a primary school here. Um, she's one of the oldest in the in the class, and so she's like a like a baby really. But it's now exposing uh, myself to this whole new world again of schools which up until now, the last years, it's been uh, like nurseries and preschools and children's activities group. But we're now starting to get this whole new exposure. It's like, well, well, wait a minute. They've still got these problems here and here. So um, we've already started looking at schools. We've already had and done business with schools. We kind of know where where we're going and where we want to start with schools. But I would suspect that is going to sort of follow Evie, as she progresses, purely because it's allowing me to see it from a, uh, from a parent's perspective and the children's perspective as, you know, as best we can as parents.
1: If somebody is hearing this who's an educator going, this sounds really interesting. How do I tap into this? How would someone find out more about what the curriculum looks like, what the process is? How would they tap into this?
2: I'd say the first step would be to reach out. So um LinkedIn I'm uh, normally very active with regards to spectacular group and sharing what we're doing and what's going on. Uh we've been very fortunate to build up uh you know a quite a, a, a nice uh, sort of uh like sort of group of supporters who are actively encouraging us. Um also what's been fascinating by this as well for me personally is that the the just the core mission of what, of what we're trying to do here has attracted some amazing people to our business, like some very experienced, high level people who, quite frankly, have operated businesses, you know, many levels higher than I have, who are looking to step in and to help take control of uh, different aspects and to bring different aspects to this. And it's a very, like, very much a collective effort. So I would suggest reaching out and, uh, yeah, having a conversation and, you know, I can share a lot more and would love to learn more as well.
1: Great. If you are speaking to or had a message to give to parents who maybe are at the same place you were, they're starting to figure out their kids are going into school. They're like, there are gaps here. There are things I, don't, I noticed I really want to improve, but I'm not sure where to start. So what would one message you have for parents?
2: I think the main message would be to act on your instincts. Really, to act on your instincts. And I've seen this a lot where um, not just sort of school systems and that, but also our healthcare system, where we're being told by people who we see as professionals, and I'm certainly not, you know, I'm not approaching this from a disrespectful way at all you know we're being given what in their opinion is their best advice but then a lot of cases not a lot of cases but there are cases where that advice hasn't been quite right or they've missed something and um, as parents we know you know we know our children and we know ourselves and for me it was looking around and thinking this is an entirely different world I know nothing about this but my instincts they just wouldn't they wouldn't ease up like I just knew that there was something I had to take a step forward and it was just one step and that led to the next step and that led to the next step but it was that initial back in those instincts and just understanding you can't always see the big picture and you don't know where it's going but just to take that next step and um, I think a lot of people in life in general convince themselves not to take that next step, because they're trying to look at that big picture and everything we spoke about about the monumental sort of changes and that it's that one degree, you know, just that one degree, it makes all the difference.
1: I love it. I'm curious. What are you most excited about in this phase of your life? <clears throat> I,
2: uh, I've never been asked that question, Keith, but I, I really <laughs> like it. Um, what i'm most excited about is i so i'm I've, i'm 38 years old next year uh, next september i'm i'm 40 and i i kind of feel like it's this fine balance where there is a good 20 years of uh like experience like real world experience behind me and i've been fortunate to live a lot of life and to go and experience a lot of stuff um but on the other side of that I feel like I've got the energy of a of a of a twenty five year old as well and so there's still a lot of you know hence some of these like like stupid adventures and stuff like that. I feel like there's a nice sweet spot there of um experience and uh energy to make stuff happen and to move stuff, but also the self awareness that you know, I can't do it by myself. I really don't know everything. And um, I'm quite happy to put my ego aside to do what's best for, you know, the children, for the group, for what, you know, whatever aspect of life it is. I, uh, ultimately, it's about that, you know, what's best for this rather than what's best for me. So, um, yeah, just sort
1: of making the most of that, really. Right. I love to ask my guest this question. You've accomplished a lot so far. You are on a path to do some really interesting things. When it's all said and done, what do you want your legacy to be? Oh, so, um the reason I
2: so I've been having this conversation about legacy all Christmas. Um, so I've got <laughs> a, funny. it's so funny. You brought, uh, this question has come up, and we're having this discussion because I've been having this conversation. All Christmas. Um, so I've got a, a group of uh, like mindset uh, coaching uh, clients that I work with and um, we've been discussing it like, like all Christmas, literally about legacy and meaning and I've certainly noticed a shift in me when I first started. uh, One of the most, well, probably the most influential book I've ever read in my life has been uh, Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And in his other writings as well, as well as that book, he talks a lot about legacy and Uh, meaning and so that was a major driving factor uh, factor for me when I was in my early 20s but as I um, approached like late 30s to the early 40s legacy has also fallen uh, has almost fallen to the bottom of the list in the sense that um, like I I took my daughter Evie out this morning into uh, into town and we walked past this church and it had uh, like a sundial on there For the clock and the imprint was uh, 1727 Um, and then we walked past another building where it had uh, established I think like 1789 and I was thinking about that thinking how many names do I know from that era Um, what can I actually talk about about that era the conversation we was having over the Christmas period I kept asking questions love you know name me three uh, famous, world famous actors or singers from the 1930s and no one could answer it fully. And, and it just made me realize that, and I don't mean for this to take a, um, a negative tone. So I'm not approaching it negatively, but it just made me realize in a very pragmatic way that a lot of what we do will be forgotten. And so that in turn has, has caused me to approach life, not so much from this is the legacy I want to leave but more so i want to how do i want to live my life while i'm here and and i think that drives a lot of uh like some of the like the extremities with these adventures that i've been uh, participating in is it's less about how i leave my life and it's more about how i live it today
1: awesome i love that answer
2: <laughs> Sorry, i don't know if it is if it's the right time but it's just where my head's been at yeah it's just it's yeah it's just like nothing's guaranteed we not even a legacy we just got to make the most of like this moment
1: now right exactly i love that adrian anything i haven't asked you that i should have asked you
2: uh, <laughs> i don't think so i don't think so. there's um yeah a, a lot of people will ask about um or, or just be curious about uh, you know some of the personal challenges around sort of uh like addictions and nervous breakdowns and they are sort of where that stems from and how you overcome that and i don't think you ever really overcome stuff like that i think it it's a constant i think you become stronger as a as a person and you're better able to manage and restrain yourself from certain aspects rather than oh it's completely gone now um but yeah i don't think so
1: no, and you're right. I think we sometimes just hope we can move past it, but it's always a part of us. And I think we have to learn to forgive that part of us that had that and not see it as a weakness, but like you say, see it as a part of who we were and it served a purpose, but, but it helps us to grow and move beyond where we were to where we can be now and build on that and learn from that experience.
2: Exactly that. I see it now as a as a source of strength so by restraining myself from, I don't know, let's say you're uh, someone's a food addict, by restraining yourself from that extra serving of food, you've just built strength in yourself. So that that addiction, that negative scenario has now become the source of that strength. So it's switched from, um, you know, like a negative to a gift, essentially, that keeps on giving Um, and that was some of the, like the changes in mindset I had was, yeah, rather than, you you know, fall into the addiction and then becoming a victim thinking, why me is stages past that.
1: Yeah. So where can people find your children's education group and also connect with you on social media?
2: Absolutely. So, uh, children's education group, I would uh, definitely suggest going to LinkedIn. It's just, uh, Adrian Knight um on there and uh the the group's called spectacular group uh you can't really miss me because i have a big banner saying spectacular group so you know that's me um personally i'm very active on instagram so i post on there several times a day i try to share as much as i can about you know what's going on um the good and the bad uh, uh both in terms of like buying and selling businesses spectacular group and just uh just life in general really and the best handle for that is um, Adrian J. Knight.
1: Well, Adrian, thanks so much for being on. And may your trip to Panama, your fourteen day expedition, uh, be fruitful, and may you learn some things along the way about yourself and about you, you know just life in general. I think we always learn on those journeys things we were unex- we weren't anticipating to learn, but they are can be impactful. So may that be a a blessed time for you and your family as well.
2: Thank you so much. And that's exactly why i do them it's about uh yeah it's about how i learn and grow as a person
1: well have a blessed new year and may god shower you with riches this year
2: you too keith thank you so much
0: thanks for listening to becoming bridge builder if you enjoyed this episode and want to help support the podcast, please subscribe and share it with others. Post about it on social media or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at BKeithHaney and on Getter and Twitter at RevHeadpin or on his website at alightbreaksthrough.org. Thanks again and tune in next time.